0: org and find out all the details about growing up.
1: The real me was revealed at eight o'clock when. It's easy to become when you're just sat in a chair reading the Bible. Anyone can do that. Yeah. It's what happens when your children are winding you up. That's where your true self is revealed. Yeah. And it's in that moment then that you have to really do the work. I guess it's preaching to yourself, basically, yeah. preaching the gospel to yourself and saying, it's not about me and my comfort. This is about how can I best love my daughters? How can I best honor Christ in this moment? That's what I had to learn.
2: Hello, this is the Faith in Parents podcast brought to you by Faith in Kids. I'm Ed. I'm in southwest London. I'm feeling chipper. The sun is shining. It hasn't rained for weeks. How are you, Amy?
0: (laughs) Hello, Ed. I'm good. I'm in northwest. The northwest, the north's best, the north's ace, all that. It's sunny here too. Right back at you.
2: (laughs) Now, this is the middle of summer and we thought that we would just show you the beginnings of our back catalogue. If you listened in on our last episode, you heard Jam and I rambling about four top tips for summer. We're now going to give you Amy's and my favourite ever episode.
0: It's a good one. It's a cracker. It's lovely.
2: Amy, why do you love it? And who is it?
0: It's Tim Chester talking to us about life. A godly, lovely man who is beautifully honest and makes me realise that I, I do that. So my favourite bit is when he talks about the hymn that wakes up in the morning and sits in the calm, quiet and does his Bible time and is this wonderful, beautiful Christian. And then he comes down and he has to deal with his family and it all goes wrong. I just think, yes, I get that. I thought I was a lovely together, godly person until the Lord put more people in my life to show me how far from the truth that was.
2: I love this episode (laughs) because it reminds me of the supreme value of older Christians. Uh, When I interviewed Tim, he, he, he was very apologetic and saying, but Ed, my two daughters are grown up. I'm not even sure I know what it is to be a parent. And then he opens his chest of wisdom and encourages me that I can keep going as a much younger dad. If you're an older Christian listening to this, if you're a grandparent, if you're just in a church with younger parents, keep loving them. Keep telling them truth. Keep offering them wisdom. Send them to Tim Chester first, but be sure to give them your own wisdom as well.
0: Ed, I would love to know what our listeners' favourite episode is. They're going to they're gonna be feasting on the back catalogue and they're going to email us at podcasts at faithinkids.org and tell us which is their episode and why. And that would be great to hear from you or anything. Tell us anything. Tell us how your summer's going. Tell us the, the car crash moments and your holiday. Just tell us how you are. We'd love to hear. We'd also love for you to be involved and partnering with us in all that we are trying to do to equip churches, to encourage families, to provide resources. Please jump on board with us at Faith in Kids and consider giving. We'd love you to give monthly to our ministry so that we can carry on
2: amy thank you very much we're now going to go over to ed and tim chester this is way back in episode 12 and it's just a taste of all that we used to be doing please listen to our back catalogue if you need something else in a car this summer god bless you all tim could, could you start just by introducing yourself a little uh, particularly maybe your, your family
1: life uh, yes, uh, I'm Tim Jester. I'm pastor of a church in Boroughbridge in uh, rural North Yorkshire and I'm on the Faculty of Crosslands Training Organisation, uh, training people for church leadership. I am married to Helen and I have two daughters who are both now in their 20s. So uh, in fact one of them uh, one of them has left home some years ago and the other one uh, has just signed for a flat. So um we are about to become empty nesters. We're a month. We're we're a few weeks off being empty nesters. Be, we'll be free of our daughters. And uh, just tell us a little about your church. In in are there children there? Uh, there are children. Yes, uh, probably about half the congregation are primary school or under. Hmm. So it's uh, it does sometimes feel more crushed than church. Hmm. Um, it's fairly chaotic on a Sunday morning when we all, when we're all together in one space. And my
2: experience of church planting, we both have worked for church plants, is that is often the case, I think, that it draws younger families. They are often the ones who come to a church yes, plant yes. first.
1: Yes, so I was part of a church plant in in Sheffield and we reached a point where we had about 80 primary school children and um anyway my joke was that i did the maths and worked out that in 10 years time we were going to have 80 teenagers and so i bailed <laughs> and uh went off to uh, join a church plant in a rural area only to discover that the ratios are even worse for us and we're 50 50 <laughs> so uh, we're going to be overwhelmed by teenagers in a, in a short while. okay uh you have written a book
2: on parenting I have, yeah, Gospel-Centred Family. And can you just tell us um, what is it that that book is actually really a series of studies that you could... Yes,
1: yeah, just short little chapters to, yeah. to, to, and then lots of opportunity to sort of talk it all through. Yeah.
2: yeah. Could you just tell us something of what is it that that book is arguing for? What What is it that you, you yeah, think sure. it is to be a Gospel-Centred Family?
1: Yeah, great. Great question. I think um, because I think... there's an assumption that being a Christian parent means, the Christian bit means that every day you try and do some kind of family devotion and you whip your children into doing some family devotion, uh, which I do think is a really great thing to do. Uh, But I think it's so much more than that, that actually what it means to be a Christian, what, what it means for the gospel to shape family life is much bigger and richer and deeper than that. And I think I think the starting point is probably that is the way you see your role and what you're trying to do for your children with your children. And the way I think the best way to think about that is that you are trying to demonstrate the first thing you're trying to your first aim as a parent is to demonstrate to them that authority uh, can be loving and good and that it's good to submit to authority. And the reason I put it like that is in, for example, in um, Ephesians six, where Paul addresses parents uh, and uh, and children, and he says uh, talks about the command to love your mother and father, to honor your father, mother and father, and then he he highlights the fact that this was the first promise, first commandment with a promise, it takes us back to Exodus and to Deuteronomy to the first giving of the Ten Commandments, and I think the point in the context there is that. In the home, children learn to live under authority. Uh, and uh, and actually, that authority is good. And um, if they don't learn that, which sadly the people of Israel didn't learn, then you end up in exile. The promise is that they will live long in the land. Mm. That's the promise that's given, that's particularly associated with honoring your father and mother. And I think the connection is if you don't learn in the home mm. that it's good to live under authority, then you won't live under the authority of God. And in the case of Israel, you'll Mm. end up in exile. And all of that then takes us back to the Garden of Eden, where Satan's lie in its essence is God is not a good God and you're better off without him. Mm. The authority of God is bad news. Mm. Not only have we believed that lie, but we've also believed that authority is bad news in, in a sort of general term. And so one of the things that we've got to teach as Christian parents Uh, Or model, perhaps even more importantly, is that authority can be loving, can be good, and that God's authority is always loving and always good. And so it is about uh, having expectations of that your children will obey you but it's not that's not just in some sort of functional sense or some dictatorial sense Quite the opposite what you're trying to do there is demonstrate to your children that god is it's good to live under god's authority that God is a loving father mm-hmm. so my job as a father is to kind of um be a picture of God as a loving father and of course I'm never going to pull that off but but to to to, to, to so that when my, as my children begin to learn about God about God as father about the kingdom of God living under the authority of God. Uh, what it means to repent and trust God, that they've got a kind of beginnings of a framework where that makes sense and seems more straightforward to them. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. So that's right at the heart of it. I also think that another thing that's all about is that what the real work goes on in your child's heart, it's not actually about controlling behavior. Sometimes you have to control behavior, otherwise people get hurt, you know. Um, but But all the time, our agenda is is a deeper one, which is actually, are we forming up the the heart of our child? Because actually all of our behaviour, including our child's behaviour, comes from the heart. And what we want is hearts that are soft, ultimately that are soft to Christ. And just to follow up on that, if we had
2: someone listening to this, who was a great parent who wasn't a Christian, presumably there is very little of what you've just said they would disagree with. In the home, there should be authority, there should be mum and dad broadly should be able to say what they think it should be. Do that in a loving way with kindness and compassion and, uh, and also speak to the heart of a child. So they are able to grow up to be independent people who make good decisions for their own when they are away from their parents telling them what to do.
1: What, how would it be different? Uh, well, in one sense, it's not a lot different. In the sense that families are God's idea, mm. God's invention. He created family as this model for us to learn those kinds of lessons. So, I don't think we need to be embarrassed or, or find some, you know, or, or, or surprised to discover that very often non-Christians w- run families in a way that means that children are learning some of those lessons because that's that's kind of how families are designed to work. So that just means they're kind of doing their job, the job that God intended. Uh, I do think there are differences, though. I mean, uh, there is a lot of talk in our culture about being child-centred, and I don't think we should be child-centred. I don't think our families should be child-centred. I don't think, by the way, that they should be parent-centred either. So it's not about me exercising authority for my convenience. Uh, so, you know, I can have you know, leave me alone so I can watch the telly kind of thing. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, it is about actually being God centered. We want our families to be God centered. And I think that's where you start to see the differences emerging. Uh, so, yes, we do want to, you know, we do want our children to do well. Uh, and we, you know, let's be honest, there are times when we do want life to work reasonably well so that we can function as parents. But ultimately, our concern is to be God-centered, and what that means in our interaction with our children is our our aim is always to. Uh, you know, sometimes it just means it's long. It takes longer. Uh, you know, it's it's very it's very easy to control a child's behaviour. You know, a bit of bribery uh, will will get you quite a long way. A, a bit of threat will get you quite a long way. And uh, I'm not uh, I'm not saying there's no place for that kind of thing, but uh, but but what we're really interested in is is. Uh, Edge uh, is teaching them uh, who God is and uh, uh, giving them hearts that are soft to the gospel. Often that just takes longer, but ultimately that's what we're about. Uh, letting them uh, experience life uh, or uh, experience a model of life that uh, reflect the points to uh, to God as our loving father. Thank you.
2: Uh, tell, tell me, Tim, as you now, if I can say, look back yes on parenting but also as you help those yeah, many I'm, families I've, in your church yeah, yeah, to parent it. so it is still current it is still current what are the lessons you 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 pass on that for what they're worth you've picked up along the way
1: i feel like i have learned some lessons and probably i'd be a really good parent now uh, but it's too late <laughs> you know my i had my chance maybe it takes 20 years to learn these things and then somehow it, it's gone there is um, so there is something in that though isn't there, there in the, are, yeah i think in there the that is, lord uh, does use parenting to, to to train us. Yes.
2: yes, yes. You are not the person you were, partly because the Lord gave yes, you it's those not, two children. It's not children. only the
1: child who's, who's, who's learning in this process and being shaped by this process. That's true, yes. Uh, I don't think, by the way, I have the energy to start again. So um, uh, my children have left me a spent force. <laughs> um, no, the number one lesson, this is, it's, it's, it's very clear to me what my number one lesson is. My, I just said a moment ago that what we're about is shaping a child's heart what you've also got to realize is what needs to be shaped and reshaped is the parent's heart. And uh, I learned too late that the main thing that makes my parenting not work well is, is not my children's misbehavior. I always assumed that it was my children's misbehavior. It's not, it's my misbehavior as it were. It's, it's my heart. That's the main problem. And, um, You know, I can think of times when my children did stuff and I responded in a very calm, godly way. My focus was not just on lashing out or um, getting them to stop, you know, getting them to just conform to my wishes. But I was concerned to discipline them well, to shape their hearts. Uh, There were many, there there were occasions where that happened. There were also lots of occasions where I just lost it. I just got, lost my temper or uh, I just fumed or I, I, as a result of which I the discipline went, went. I, t- I attempted to discipline them, but it went awry. Mm. You know, it was all off skew and it didn't produce any good fruit in their life uh, and frustration in my life. Uh, and I think the difference was, you know, and I used, to, I think I used to think that the difference was my children. They were responding well or they were responding badly to me. But what I, what I came to realize was the real difference was me, my heart. And when my heart was, uh, kind of fixed on God and His glory. And therefore, uh, that, that enabled me then to have as a, my top concern my children, loving my children. Uh, then I would discipline them in a calm uh, way that actually produced fruit in their life. But all too often, what my heart was fi- fixated on would be often it would be my comfort. So, uh, you know, that's the um, I'm sat on the sofa watching the the football, leave me alone kind of thing. You know, you're you're making too much noise, you know, shout at the children, doesn't produce any good fruit in their life. Because really all that I'm interested in is my comfort in that moment. Or uh, another common one for me, I expect for a lot of parents is what do other people think about what's going on in this situation? You know, parenting is this sort of angst ridden uh, thing because it's such an inexact science it's it's a mess you know it's a mess all from start to finish you like to think that uh, there's some sort <laughs> yeah. of neat one two three process and then your children behave it's not it's chaos all the way through and um and yet you feel uh, it's it, here's one of the ironies by the way sorry this is an aside but one of the things i've noticed as a, as a church leader parenting is this thing where everybody thinks they're not doing a good job yeah And yet it's the one area where if you ever criticise, people really take it badly and personally. What's the dynamic there? I haven't quite worked that out yet. But – Anyway, the point is we, are, we live in this kind of fear of what other people are thinking about it, whether it's the toddler lying on the floor in the supermarket aisle, or whether it's the teenager who won't turn up for church on a Sunday morning. You know, we, we, we live in fear of what other people think about us. Yeah. And then that fear starts to drive up our discipline of our children, not, not a love for our children, not a concern for the glory of God. It's that fear that overwhelms. And that then also skews the discipline. And that, And as a result whatever it kind of formally looks like it doesn't it doesn't produce good fruit yeah that's my number one thing you've got to guard your own heart okay and you've got to constantly be realigning that to to god and his glory and um could you just give us
2: a normal day when this battle is happening in your heart you know if it the this the the situations you're talking about i am sure that any parent listening can identify the the moment of losing control of our anger the moment of searching simply for an easier life it, what what when you find yourself in that space what what, <laughs> what you know what would be the writing you'd love to put on the mirror to say to parents
1: oh i don't know so but let me let me let me let me let me, let me, let me, let me answer that question because this is this was a This was a a real light bulb moment for me. This is all history, by the way. Now now my life is calm and um, because my children have gone. Now you can (laughs) have your life of comfort. But here's, here's how it used to work. Every morning, okay, 7.30, I would sit down in my study and I would read my Bible and pray. And I looked to all the world at that moment. I looked this really godly man you know, assiduous in my Bible reading, praying, car, collected. And then it was my job. Uh My wife was a teacher. She used to go out to work. I, I used to take the children to school. So at eight o'clock, we had to be out the house. So I would leave having, you know, I would then go downstairs, at which point it's my job to get the children out of the house. Now, the situation is complicated by the fact that my eldest daughter, slightly sort of neurotic, um in terms of timekeeping she she is desperate to be on time she she, one of her great fears is being late you know the youngest daughter is completely dreamy in another world she's she's she doesn't she's not even it's not even she's not make any kind of she's just thinking about something completely different and so um we have to i have to chivvy her out and it's frustrating, and I get frustrated, and I get angry. And, and this sort of 7.30 version of me has just dissolved into sort of frustrated me. Now, here's the light bulb moment. I used to think that the 7.30 version, me in my armchair praying, that was the true me, and the 8.30 was, was, was the fault of my daughter. You know, this was me being corrupted by my, And I suddenly realised that no. That wasn't the case, it was the other way around. The real me was revealed at eight o'clock when it's easy to be calm when you're just sat in a chair reading your Bible. Anyone can do that. Yeah. It's what happens when your children are winding you up. That's where your true self is revealed. Yeah. And it's in that moment then that you have to really do the yeah. work. I guess it's preaching to yourself, basically, yeah. preaching the gospel to yourself and saying, It's not about me and my comfort. This is about how can I best love my daughters? how can i best honor christ in this moment that's what i had to learn so it's, it's all for me it's the seven thirty, eight thirty, 830 but the 8 the 8 o'clock sorry the 8 8 8 8 version is me by the way just to just to round out the story just to give you a little tip on particularly as children get older one of the best ways to discipline them is consequences just let consequences happen and uh, as soon as the, um, as soon as my eldest daughter was going to school independently. Yeah. So, so, so I had no obligation to help her get to school on time. I said to the youngest daughter, we'll go when you want to go. So I made no attempt to chivvy her on. And of course, the first day she's in a little dream world and we off, we off we went and we arrived late. And that happened two or three days after that. She was ready eight o'clock every every day, so it, it kind of solved itself within a week. Uh, but I just didn't really feel like I had the liberty to do that before because the eldest daughter really wanted to be at school on time, and they were we were we were walking with them together. But as soon as they were going to two different schools, and the eldest was on her own, then then I just applied the um, the discipline by consequences and uh, it did sort it out very quickly but that's not the, that's not the main point um, that useful little tip yes but, but the main point is you've really got to guard your heart if you want to parent well and uh so, Tim, I
2: think that means that in the moments when we fit our own personality means we will uh, – the temptations of our own hearts will take us to different places when it's going wrong. When our hearts are going wrong, it might be out-of-control anger. We, we catch ourselves shouting. Yeah. It might be in sullen comfort. Close the door. We're in a sofa. Yep. No one's allowed in. It, it might be uh, leave the house. Yeah. Uh, and just walk yep. on your own. Uh, and and you're in those moments preaching to yourself. What, what and what are those questions that we that we could ask ourselves? What are the truths that we say to
1: ourselves? By the way, that's also true of our children. That yeah. that, that that their rebellion will be expressed in ways that are particular to their yes character. And yeah. what that means is the child who shouts at you down, you know, and slams the door. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you, you might have that child. You might have a child who's a sulker who yeah. just goes off and sulks. Now, sulky children are not that difficult to deal with because yes. they're,
0: you know, they just quiet. got
1: they're just quiet. The, do, and it's it, very it's easy almost to think, good behaviour. Yes, it, yeah. It, yeah. And you, but actually, you've got exactly the same problem. You still need and to you, know how to talk quietly st- and gently. You still both. need to engage with both. That's yes. my point. So you feel like you need to engage with a shouter because you've got to try and make them quiet. But the sulker is also just needs exactly the same level it might be a different way of dealing with it but the same level if you want to be engaging with their hearts if all you're interested in is a quiet life then the let, sulker in let, that let room. the sulker suck yeah. but if what you're interested in is shaping a child's heart then yeah. you've got to engage with both
2: just pick up your point is there is value in just asking yourself uh am i is my default setting to be harsher on this one than the other yes, because, yes. because that will lead to my life being yes. easier. There is one I need to manage more. Yes. Yeah. And the, the question I, I'm not even sure it's a good question. It might not need answering, but some of those questions or some of those truths you, you try to go back to in those moments when your own heart it,
1: it, it is the focus. I think for me, I think for me, it was primarily a call to repentance that what I needed to recognize was that I had made this about me. Yeah. I, I, maybe it's, I take it personally. And of course, sometimes it is, feels very personal and, you know, parenting gets right to the core of who we are. So we do feel it very keenly, uh, but I was making this all about me and I needed in as were well, to kind of slightly step out of the picture and make this about my child and about God yeah. and particularly about trying to connect the two. Um, so, so for me, it was stop, stop making this about you. You know, you're making this about your reputation or your comfort yeah. or your control. your the way, you know, you want to be treated in a certain way. You're making it about you. Yeah. I need to say so it's not about me. Yeah. It doesn't need to be about me. It's about God's glory and about my child's and about me loving my child. Yeah. I've got to lay down my life for my child, and that's that's what you know. That's I've got to love my child, and 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 actually, I've got to lay down my life for my child, and you know, I've really got to give myself in love to my child. But sometimes that means actually being prepared to to make have the confrontation. For example, you know, loving your child does not mean letting them have what they want, obviously, because yeah, sometimes that means having the energy. Uh, I think that's for me. That's often what it was having the energy. To engage in a conversation that actually might be quite difficult and hard mm. work, and but that's or you know or just little things, you know, the easy, so so often the easiest thing is to just do the washing up, for example. To make your children do the washing up is hard work, but um, but sometimes that's the right thing to do, and the most loving thing to do is to sort of get them to be involved in to recognise that they have a wider responsibility. Mm. Tim, thank you. Could you finish by praying yeah, for, sure. for families? Yeah. Thank you. Father, I pray for all those who are listening. And uh, I, I thank you that uh, we live in the orbit of your grace and that uh, parenting, as we've said, is an inexact science and there's a lot of mess. I pray, thank you, that all the time uh, we live with, uh, uh, with your grace, with your forgiveness, uh, and that gives us the confidence and the freedom to be parents Uh, And I pray you'd help us to do that in a way that uh, is focused on your glory and on the good of our children. Help us to get out of the picture when we're making it all about us uh, and help us to love our children well and to love you well. In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you.
1: You're welcome.
3: Well, I enjoyed that. Lots to talk about, and we've got a little bit of time to talk about it. What, like, were your, what were your headlines from that, Ed? I mainly just wanted to tell him how absolutely wonderful he was.
1: Right. But thought
3: that would be very
2: strange. Okay. But uh, I dare anyone to listen to that and not just think, oh,
3: he's a, he, he's really good. Yeah yeah uh and but also what well, the beauty of when people are great like that they just make the truth sound very plain yeah there's nothing clever about it he's very honest about the fact that uh actually in parenting he is the problem actually rather than the kids um there was lots of really you know i was quite convicted by that but not in a way that made me feel worthless but in a way that made me think ah that explains why i get grumpy yeah uh so so lots of talk about that what what were the what were the highlights for you i uh, i think uh the the thing that's
2: that struck me is is probably the thing that most likely spoke to my parenting, which is uh the temptation to th- to think more and parent more the child who is most inconvenient
3: in your life right okay the squeaky the squeaky wheel gets the grease yes is the non-biblical <laughs> expression there yeah. which is the child that makes the most noise gets the most attention, which might explain why they make the most noise yes who knows yes and not and not to confuse quiet good behavior
2: with a beautiful heart yeah that that is longing to
3: hear more of
2: you jesus yeah. and grace yeah
3: so or I, even or even a quiet sulker is someone who frankly can just look after themselves yes so i yeah, think yeah you know lots of us would genuinely settle for a quiet spirit who doesn't seem to be making a mess but a, a sulker or smolderer yes it's sort of like well at least they're not making noise and embarrassing me mm. and again it's just like it is a lot of that stuff is just holding up a mirror isn't it
2: and I, uh, I since this interview, I have found myself thinking. In that, uh, I have three children, so there are moments of conflict between two children at a time. Really, I know exactly. What a, what a strange thought. Yeah, and I have noticed that in those moments, I think there is a silent equation, a silent process going on in my head, which is, who will I side with now, to to have the simplest way out? Right. So if I. By the, the the tack I will take now will probably involve at least one child being angry and having a strop or something, mm. and one child is more likely to buckle first, right. go off sulking, be quieter. Not shout, slam doors, or su- you know. I've noticed that that silent equation happens in my head. Right. What is the path of least resistance in this? How do I make this problem go away? And it. And I think if I so I'm re- that I can get back to work
3: yeah. or uh, read the paper.
2: And there's undoubtedly what really that comes down to is which child am I going to favour? Right. Uh, and what isn't in my well, mind. let's let's
3: talk about that. Which one do you prefer?
2: <laughs> and what isn't in my head? Yeah. Is what does justice look like? Yeah. And also just what is. What does patient, loving grace look like? Mm. Which is so easy to say when there's no child in the room with me.
3: Yeah. And again, all of these things, they don't work well when you're basically trying to do it at speed. Yeah. And our problem is so often I just want to get this dealt with yeah. rather than, okay, let's stop here and discuss it. Because they they're also the kids are sort of both appealing to you, but actually they're both appealing to you because they want you to agree with them over the other they're not seeking true justice really uh, at least one of them isn't um they're sort of seeking you to come down on their side so they win mm. um so the moment you i guess reveal that whenever that happens you are going to really dig in and work out who is at fault here they might think twice before doing that again mm. but again that just takes time doesn't it and consistency yes and that those are the hardest things Yes. For me at least.
2: And I think in my case it takes patience rather than flying flying off the handle. Uh, Paul Tripp is uh, is very helpful on, on this, I find that he when I am tempted, I am tempted. So just to shout. Yeah. So Tim Chester, he goes I can't imagine Paul
3: Tripp ever <laughs> shouting. Can you?
2: I don't know. I don't know him well enough.
3: Okay but maybe it would be muffled a bit would, by that amazing moustache yes it would yeah so
2: tim in that interview ran through some ways we can retreat to manipulation yeah anger yeah, yeah. reward carrot and stick yes it? yeah and and paul trip helpfully says there will come an age where your child is a foot taller than you and you will look very silly trying to do that right and that i find that that is a really helpful thought mm-hmm. if my child was the same height as me would i be a adopting this approach? Right. Would I be seeking to intimidate? Would I be seeking to buy off with some sort of snack? Mm. And the answer is patently not. That would be yeah. that utterly, that they'd look at you with utter disdain and say, dad, what, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you it's doing? It's, it's pathetic. Yeah. I'm not scared by you anymore. So, uh, it, it's, I like, la- we laughed a bit quietly listening to that. that yeah. When he does give that list, and he says, look, sometimes it's okay, though. And I, I get asked that, you know, is it okay to reward yeah. our children sometimes? And you say, yeah. Sure. You know, but you, you are loving. To, uh- oh,
3: that's, that's the reason why I occasionally, um, I like to say yes to unexpected requests <laughs> for, for example, biscuits. Because wouldn't it be awful if they just stopped asking? So, you know, we're not big biscuit eaters. We don't throw lots of food at our kids. And okay, that okay, I was judging you, No, no, but it's a general sort of habit. But occasionally, one of them will just say, unprovoked, can I have a biscuit? And I just think, and, and I, my instinct is always to say, no, of course you can't. Mm. I'm an automatic no person. Yeah. um But actually, sometimes I just think, uh, yeah. you know just go is it is it is it just before lunch yeah no
2: yeah
3: so let's have it have a biscuit it's fine yes um because then you'll have a nice time and there's no law against biscuits yeah um and wouldn't it be awful if my child basically thought i never asked my dad for biscuits because he never he always says no to everything you just think oh i'm not gonna be that guy am i
2: yeah i have a very godly friend who once asked the question how do i show grace at home as a parent? Unfortunately, he didn't ask it of me. He asked it of some wise people who had stood quite near me at the time, and I. And his point really was: it's actually quite hard to to come up with the rules for showing grace. Yeah. By definite, you know, always tidy your children's bedroom. Now that won't work. Yeah. I mean, it is grace,
3: but it yeah. just gets. Yeah. So his, after a while, you will become a human slave.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So the yeah. point I discovered: the question is unbelievably good, which is how do you show grace? And that is a great example. Yeah. Which is you have to keep saying to yourself how do I surprise my child? Yeah. How how do I do the unexpected? You'd love them to say, my dad is kind. Yeah. Rather than either. My dad is a slave. My dad is a tyrant or the other labels that are so easy.
3: And I guess if we constantly use treats as it were, as a, as a means of bribery, uh, it means that we won't have time to, to do nice things as a way of showing grace. So if we say, if you do this, I'll take you out for breakfast Mm. and we'll go to Mm. whatever place we like to have breakfast, Starbucks or McDonald's or whatever. Yes. Um, well, that's, that's fine. That could be a reward. It could be a bribe or whatever, but wouldn't it be great is if you just wake up one morning and you say, do you know what kids we're going to have breakfast in Starbucks, McDonald's, uh, uh, Joe's diner, whatever. And they go, Oh, great. Why? Just thought it'd be fun. Do you think it'd be fun? Yeah, let's do it then. And And they will remember that. They will remember that. They remember the peculiar acts of grace and compassion, kindness and joy and laughter. A little little one goes a long way. And I I might have mentioned on this podcast before, the day my dad picked me up from school at lunchtime on a Saturday, because I went to one of those schools and said, I've got tickets to see Somerset versus Middlesex. Uh, Let's go down to Bath to watch... To, to the and like oh and I got there and Mike Gatting was batting the captain of England and he scored 256 and I've never forgotten it. And I don't think my dad took me to the cricket a few times after that, but that was the one I remember. I was ten, I think. Yeah, and it was pretty much one of the best days of my yeah. life. Um and I I Whereas didn't know if he'd,
2: he'd done that every day, yeah, he would
3: have been he would have spoilt you, yeah, or it would have been a way of neglecting you just, Yeah, you know just send him I'll to the cricket. But also it was never like, I know that I'm going to do this and I'm now going to use this to make sure you behave yourself for a fortnight and I'm going to hang it over you. Yes. Well, that, yeah, you could do that if you wanted. But I think I think you can tell from my tone of voice what I think of that. What a great dad. Yeah. Well, actually, was he? I don't know. He didn't do that very <laughs>
1: often. He didn't
3: do that very often. Let, let's but, boy, it. but when he did, it really went a really long way. That's That's my point, really, yes. is that he didn't do that stuff very much. But actually, you don't need to do it very much. You know, my, I adore my dad. My dad is wonderful. I've learned so much from my dad. Mm. Um, but he was a farmer and he just worked all the time on the farm. So he was always around, but he was always busy. Um, but when he sort of, he was the one that picked me up from school. I used to love it when he picked me up. That in itself was a treat. But when he said, we're going to watch cricket, it was just like, oh my goodness. It was amazing. Grace. That's what that was. Pure grace. Tell me, James, does anything strike you from what Tim said? Well, very much. I was very struck by his. There's the Bible study me, and then there's the getting my kids to school me. And I used to think that the Bible study me was the real me, and it isn't. I thought that was really striking. And again, you know, I've sort of mentioned it a few times how we've make we've made it about ourselves, and how we just want. We want obedience because it makes our lives easier. It gives mm. us, because we're worried about our reputation or our comfort or our workload or whatever it is. That was really striking. Um, And I was really, but actually we, what we can do is just go, okay, it's a fair cop. Put your hands up and just say, admit that you're rubbish. Okay, well that's fine. Or also admit that this is how God is disciplining you. This is how your father in heaven is, is teaching you in the same way that you are their father Mm. teaching them. Mm. And so we need to be grateful for that and embrace it because kids really do teach us. We are not as patient as we like to think we are. Mm. We are not as consistent as we like to think we are. And they call us out on it all the time uh, in a way that grownups don't uh, because they will either avoid us or manage us or, you know or they have they've they've worked out ways of lying about it, mm. um and so they tolerate our 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 flaws kids don't uh and they they mention them then then they don't hold them against you weirdly, but they do point them out, and that's painful and so i I was thinking I was really struck by what Tim was saying about that, but also that we can resent the fact that we are being disciplined mm. as parents. Or we can embrace it and go, This is God's kindness to us in the same way that when we look at our kids, we are trying to be kind to them because we're not being kind to them by saying yes to everything, or no to everything, or expecting just blind obedience, or whatever it is. Mm. So that was that was really that was really challenging, but pretty helpful. It's
2: I wouldn't say this to Tim because he's British and so am I. But it is a lovely idea that perhaps the the parenting of his two daughters you know, he said he'd make quite a good parent. Now I suspect yeah. he would. Yeah. And and the uh, the obvious idea is is that God used the parenting of his two daughters as a way to make him the godly, wise man he is. Yeah. Who serves us. Yes.
3: Without without. So now he's ready for parenting. Well, we're kind of done with that now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he's not done with us. But there he is, in a sense, parenting a church with loads of young people in. Yeah. And that is he is exactly what that church need right now yes and his own two children have prepared him for that he is.
2: so perhaps for us whatever season of life we are in uh, there is just the moment of breathing deeply and saying let's not wish this away yeah the struggle uh what the listener has at the moment uh whether it be the anxiety about their child's sleeping habits with a 2 year old or whether it be the anxiety about where their teenage daughter mm. is this evening at midnight if they're a seventeen-year-old, uh, wh- whatever that whatever that struggle is at the moment, uh, there is a way of taking a deep breath, closing your eyes, and say, Father, what is it you're teaching me at the moment?
3: That background noise is is, is the, the the real thing. Children, as they are running around
2: the house after the getting house. back from school, yeah. Why don't I pray? Good idea. In the noise, dear Father, we pray. We pray that we would not make our parenting situations about us as if our children are doing it to us we pray we would know father that in a real sense you are lovingly caring for us and this is about our hearts and our children's hearts in relation to you thank you father for tim chester his family and the way you have used them to bring about his greater godliness and it, making him to be more like christ Thank you for him serving us like this by telling us the lessons he has learned. Thank you, Father, that that is the way you show our love so often to us, is the wisdom of godly saints. Amen.
3: Amen. Thanks for listening, everyone. Do recommend us to a, uh, a friend if you think they would uh, benefit from this, and then you can talk about it. That would be helpful. Talking about this sort of thing really does help. Leave us a review on iTunes. Go to the Faith in Kids website, faithinkids.org. Send us an email, podcast at faithinkids.com. Dot 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 org not dot com find us on Facebook Twitter Instagram all those places thanks very much for listening and we'll speak to you next time bye bye